Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for sending us out as workers amidst your harvest. Lord, that you do not allow us to stand still, but rather that you are a God of going and that you invite us to come along and be a part of the work that you are doing in the world. Lord, we would ask this day that you be patient when we stumble, that you pick us up when we fall, and that you would break your words small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. A few years back, we had been given tickets to go to Elidge Gardens in Denver. And Elidge is a big amusement park, and the kids love to be able to go. As a parent, I feel like we come home and everything is sticky afterwards. But the kids were excited, and so we went. And on the way... I got pulled over. And the second that the officer pulled away, they said, are we going to tell mom? Yes! And before I could even get in the door, they had already gone, mom, guess what? Dad got pulled over. They were so excited to have something to tell on me for that they couldn't contain it. What they didn't know is I had already called her ahead of time. Have you ever had something that you just could not wait to share? News of a new promotion or perhaps an engagement. Have you ever had something that was within you that you were so excited about that you could not contain yourself. Today, as our theme shifts us to a focus on going, this kind of elation that drives us, this excitement that compels us to share good news, This is where we take our next step. In the Gospel of Matthew, at the very end in chapter 28, and if you have a Bible with you, I would invite you to turn to the Great Commission. As we hear... Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, for many of us, this is a passage that is familiar. We've heard it maybe a hundred times or a thousand times, perhaps. It's one that you have even studied in great depth. But the Great Commission is one that fits within the context of a much greater narrative. We take the Great Commission and we pull it out and we like to look at it and say, see, Jesus says to go and make disciples of all nations. And so because we're told to baptize all nations, then we baptize anybody from the cradle to the grave. But to pull the Great Commission out of its context takes away the joy, the excitement, the elation that comes with seeing the way that Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire story. See, they had been waiting for the Messiah. They had been waiting for the Deliverer. They wanted to know when, as one of the other gospel accounts says, they wanted to know when the kingdom of Israel would be delivered back over to them. In other words, Lord, when is our earthly kingdom going to be at the top of the pile again? When do we get to be in charge? But interestingly enough, it says that even as they worshipped him, some still doubted. But nonetheless, Jesus says, go. He doesn't say, wait till you have all of the answers. Wait until you just you get it all and it just makes sense and it clicks and just once everything falls into place, then I want you to go. Instead, he goes, you know, y'all are a mess, but so are the people that I'm sending you to, so go anyway. You don't get to wait. We were discussing Genesis 3 with our kids one time, and I said, well, what happened with Adam and Eve? And they said, well, Adam and Eve, uh, they didn't obey God, and God kicked them out and put them to work. That's pretty good. But see, here's something different happens. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm kicking you out of the kingdom, Jesus says, I have brought you into the kingdom, and now you don't get to sit up high on your laurels. Get to work. Go. He tells them to go 
to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. As if he were to say to us, I want you to go to Anchorage, and then I want you to go to Alaska, and then I want you to go to North America, and then when you've done that, I want you to go to every corner of the globe. And we go, no. Jesus, that's too hard. See, God has done something amazing where he has seen the stubbornness of his people and instead of forcing us as he did with the Tower of Babel and confounding their speech and spreading them out across the globe. Instead, he does something special where he brings the nations to us. Where we have an opportunity right here within our own backyard to go. And even though they worshiped him, some still doubted. As the Apostle Paul begins to teach and preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus that he had been given firsthand. those that he had grown up with, those whom he had studied Scripture with, those who were Jewish with him, they looked and they said, how is this the same guy? Matter of fact, he was such a different guy that God had even given him a new name, had changed it from Saul to Paul. Paul goes and he proclaims to the ancient world and says that God saves sinners. And if you don't believe it, look at me, because I am the chief of sinners. And if God can save me, then God can definitely save you. And Paul didn't stay in the synagogues. He didn't stay with the church people. He didn't keep his hands clean. Instead, he was in the marketplaces. He was in the Aragopagus. He was on the streets, and he was with the people that he did life together with. He rubbed shoulders with sinners like himself. And then said, you know, that guilt that you carry, the weight that you bear, the sadness and sorrow that follows when you feel like you have no hope. The idol that you have even made to an unknown God. Today I make this God known to you this God of grace and forgiveness, this God of love, this God of peace, 
something fascinating happens as Paul goes on in his journeys. As he proclaims the word, others with him go, I've got to tell somebody. And so then he ends up with guys like Apollos and guys like Barnabas and guys like John Mark that come along with him. And then he ends up seeing them grow where they are. See, going is scary. Going is scary because it means that we are stepping outside of everything that we find safe and secure and comfortable. It means that we step out of what is clean. We step out of all of those things that make us feel like we are just warm and fuzzy and we have been faithful. Does God help it if somebody sees how broken we really are? Then I might be a hypocrite. Well, the good news is, even when you fall short of the glory of God, we have this beautiful thing called grace. Where there is no greater example to be set and confessing our faults and our failures so that we can hear those sweet words that God speaks and says, I forgive you. We will not see the church of God grow by staying safe or by staying home. but rather we will see the kingdom come by going. By going next door to our neighbors that we have already had a relationship with and continuing that relationship. About going to the grocery store and just being kind to the person behind you that is pushing their cart because they think you are taking too long in the aisle. It means going wherever you are. So that when you are grounded in the identity that you have in Christ, the example that we set is not one that looks like me, but one that looks like him instead. One that says, I don't have to have all of the answers. And matter of fact, even if I did, I probably wouldn't tell you. Because that's what we do. But instead, God gives these mysteries purpose as he reveals them freely to broken people to be given away to other broken people. Paul says that he is the least likely candidate for apostleship. Of all the people that God could have sent in 
to the ancient world to be the most prolific missionary of all time, Paul says, I should have never been the first draft pick. He says, I probably wouldn't have been able to even walk on. Which in God's eyes has made him the best candidate of all because God takes what is broken, makes it whole, and then says, go tell others about the way that I have put the pieces back together for you. What was once a mess has now been made a masterpiece. And if you think that you have to have some massive Saul to Paul kind of story to share, you're wrong. Sometimes the greatest witness that we can give is the consistency of simply being who God has created us to be. Even if we were baptized as an infant and have been a diaper Lutheran from the cradle and will be to the grave. But make no mistake, this is not about a building. This is about a people. And see, building a house, it makes us very comfortable. And brick and mortar, they block the wind, and it shields us from the rain, and it gives us shade from the sun. And man, it's really nice to be able to say, I go to church right there. There was a young social scientist at the University of Chicago, and as he was graduating with his master's, he had to go out and do community surveys in different neighborhoods in Chicago, and he was bound and determined against all odds to go into the neighborhood that had the highest violent crime rate of any other in the city. He was determined to prove his professors wrong when they said nobody will ever get good data from that neighborhood. And so as he stepped into this totally different context, and over the length of time that he spent there, he becomes friends with the local gang leaders, and he gets to be present for their gang life. He gets to do life with them as a very rare outsider. They saw him as a scientist. And one of the things that he remarks over is the way that he would see these churches worship on Sundays and then rent them out on Wednesdays or Thursdays so that the gangs could gather there to do their initiation beatdowns. And it really spoke to the way that it is just a building. The church is 
a people. The church goes places. The church is active where we are in our community. See, as Jesus commissions his disciples, he doesn't just simply say, go and baptize, and then the work is done. Instead, he says, go baptize, and then teach. In other words, it is incumbent upon us as the people of God to own the responsibility that we have in our witness, to recognize that it's not simply just showing up and saying the magic words, but to actually maintain a presence that not only do we go once, but we go twice and we go a hundred times because that is what God has called us to do. But it's not because of the law. It's not because we have to. Instead, it's because he gives us this joy in seeing him change lives. This joy that comes from seeing people know Jesus for the first time or know him again for the hundredth. Compels us through the good news that God always gets the glory now and forevermore. Amen.